and verses 25 to 34. Matthew chapter 6 and verses 25 to 34. And this morning, uh, Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, the great, greatest sermon ever, uh, speaks to us about worry and uh, how to avoid it. So this is what, it, what he says to us. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not spin, they do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. True words, hey, from Jesus. Well, we look. Well, last week we remember uh, Matt at Father's Day talking about his uh, son Ethan and how he's barracking for the Hawks. Is that right? Was that what it was That's all right, about? Yep. A good win yesterday. Very good. Um, we we do want to welcome you here uh, as your family and uh, welcome you to be here in front of all your church family as well. You're doing exactly what Joseph and Mary did with Jesus. They took him to the temple uh, and presented him there too. Also, uh, by doing this, what you're actually doing is recognising that Ethan isn't your child alone, but he also belongs to God. And you're coming to say to everyone this morning that you recognise that he belongs to God and that you, as his parents, have responsibilities before God. And today we're going to hear you acknowledge those responsibilities and that you see that you're committed to fulfilling those. And we as a church, we're here today and we're going to witness together what you know, Matt and Sandra are saying. And we are going to also say that as a church, we want to stand by children in our church and support them and help them to grow like Jesus would want them to. Jesus was busy, but in his ministry he had time for children. He loved them and uh, he cared for them. 
This is what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 and verse 13 to 16. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. The disciples told them not to bother him. But when Jesus saw this was happening, he was very displeased with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, anyone who doesn't have their kind of faith will never get into the kingdom of God. And he took the little children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. As we are here together, let's pray and give thanks for the gift of life that Ethan has been to Matt and Sandra and to us as well. Let's pray. God, this morning we want to say thank you. We praise you, God, for you're the creator of everything. You give us life and you give us breath and you give us each new day, God. You are our Father. We just want to say thanks right now, God, for the joy that we have because Ethan has been born. What an incredible miracle it is to see this precious gift, a new life that you have given us. Oh, God, thank you for all the good things you have given and all the good things that you will give through him. God, thanks for the incredible potential of this baby boy. God, for all the unlived days that lie before him. God, thanks for the love that he stirred up in Matt and Sandra and for the love that he stirred up in those around him. God, thank you for the care that he has, the support that surrounds him right now. You're good, God, and we want to thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here we come to the time, and I want to ask you some promises as parents by Sandra and Matt. Do you thank God for his gift of Ethan? And do you accept the joys and duty of parenthood, promising to love and to care for him? We do. Great. And do you promise to bring Ethan up within the Christian community and to share with him your own faith and trust in Jesus. We do. Great. <laughs> Look at that. He responds so. <laughs> Great. We hear your words. And now let me just take Ethan from you. Here we go. I'm a fellow Hawk supporter too, so it's all right. <laughs> so we want to say welcome to you, Ethan. As a church, we want to welcome you in the name of the Lord. And uh, I want to say to you, church, if you agree, would you just say, we do? Let me ask you this question. Do you promise to offer Ethan and his family your love and your care and to join with his parents in sharing our Christian faith with him? Great. We hear your uh, words. 
And if you'd just like to stand where you are now as we pray for him. So let's pray together for Ethan's future and ask God's blessing on him. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you and we want to pray now for Ethan. We ask God that Ethan's and his family may really come to know your love and power in their daily lives, that Ethan, as he grows, would really experience what it is to know you as his father and the environment which we, in which he grows up in his home. We pray that it would be one where God is, God, you are at work. Oh God, we pray that you would take all that Matt and Sandra and all that we as a church offer Ethan our care, our wisdom and our mistakes. And God, through them, would you reveal yourself? God, take the experience, the experiences which he's going to have in his life and through all those experiences, would you speak to him through your word? Oh God, as he grows in body and as he grows in spirit, would you feed and guide Ethan by your spirit? And would you bring him safely through childhood and youth and lead him to a point where he's able to put his faith and trust in you as his Lord and Saviour? We ask this in your precious name. Amen. And while you remain standing, let me ask you, Matt and Sandra, what have you named your son? Ethan and Judy Taylor. Ethan and Jude Taylor. Well, let me ask, pray this blessing on him. Ethan Jude Taylor, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Well, all the best as parents. And God bless you as you continue to bring him up. Thank you. Please be seated. Well, I wonder if you can remember a song that Bobby McFerrin wrote. It was called Don't Worry, Be Happy. In case you don't remember it, (laughs) I never miss an opportunity. I think it went something like this. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note, so don't worry. Be happy. And then you want to do this part together? The sort of chorus goes... Don't worry, be happy. You can just feel the worry draining away. And uh, it was a a really catchy tune and people sung along and just thought, don't worry, be happy. It it went right up to the uh, charts, right up to the top of the charts and stayed there for months. And I think it really, uh, in many ways, sums up this morning's message. Only Jesus didn't simply tell us to don't worry, just be happy. Um, he doesn't tell us uh, that 
we can just think positive thoughts to attack our worry. Uh, But he says that to be truly happy is not a matter of just positive thinking. It's a matter of having proper priorities. So instead of don't worry, be happy, we could say, don't worry, have proper priorities. (laughs) It wouldn't have hit the top of the chart, so I don't think that one. But the truth is that more than a million Australians suffer from chronic anxiety. It's it's the truth. So it's a serious common problem that we we face today. Anxiety is uh, really expensive in terms of health. Uh, Many reasons for visiting our doctors like uh, insomnia, diarrhoea, palpitations, high blood pressure. Uh, They may be spin-offs from worry, from anxiety. And probably about 25% of those suffering from uh, substance abuse resort to alcohol or drugs to help them cope with anxiety, worries, struggles that they're facing in life. You know, worry comes from an Anglo-Saxon word which means to strangle, to choke. Anyone ever felt like worry strangles and chokes them? It can get a hold of you, literally, and cut off the air supply and make you uh, find life really overwhelming. And Jesus said to those who were listening uh, to his Sermon on the Mount, these words, he says, Therefore... I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? So what what does Jesus actually mean when he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life? What is he saying? Um, well, worries, the Greek kind of word for that in this translation says anxious, to be anxious or unduly concerned. And it's probably better to look at what he doesn't mean to start with when he's saying do not worry. He doesn't mean, Jesus is not saying to us not uh, that we shouldn't just think of, the fu- shouldn't think of the future at all. You know, don't worry about things in the future. In other words, when Jesus says do not worry, he says don't think ahead. No, he's definitely not saying that. The authorised version uh, translation says, take no thought, but it's, not a, it's a misleading translation. The, the Greek word says, um, is really to take no anxious thought. So it's not saying, don't think at all about the future. Um, it's not an excuse for kind of happy-go-lucky, irresponsible attitude to life and just see what pops up ahead. The book of Proverbs is clear. Uh, it talks about, in the book of Proverbs, about the ant who prepares and plans and stores things in, in season so that it's ready when, when the winter comes. Uh, diligent planning is a good way to avoid stress, actually. You know, thinking ahead in those ways is a good way. So he's not saying don't think about the future. Secondly, he's not saying when he says, do not worry, it's, he's not just giving us an excuse for idleness. You know, some person, people might say, well, God says, Jesus says to us, don't worry. So I can just sit around and wait God, for God to kind of bring me everything I need. Uh, it doesn't seem that we're just, these words aren't an uh, invite to just 
stop trying to earn a living. We shouldn't simply sit back and say, God will provide. You know, try saying that. God will provide my petrol and see how long you go without you having to actually help him get it into the tank. Um, There were many, many uh, times where people in the future have thought that kind of way. Hudson Taylor, for example, the first uh, missionary to journey on his first missionary journey to China in 1853, when a violent storm uh, came off the Welsh coast, threatened disaster. He actually felt it would be dishonouring to God to wear a life belt, so he gave it away. The the kind of life boy, and later uh, he he actually said that was the wrong thing to do. He said. The use of means ought not lessen our faith in God and our faith in God ought not hinder our using whatever means he has to give us for the accomplishment of his own purposes. So it's not saying don't worry, let God do everything, you know. God wants us to to do the things that uh, will help him to provide for us. Thirdly, when he says don't worry about your life, He doesn't mean that we shouldn't be ambitious um, and actually wanting to achieve. Ambition is a strong uh, desire to achieve success and it concerns our goals in life and the kind of secret inner motivations that make us tick. And there's nothing wrong with striving to achieve. In fact, Colossians 3.23, Paul says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart, as though you were working for Jesus. You know, give it, give it the best that you can uh, at, at what, what you're doing at your work. And, you know, he's not saying either uh, that we should opt out of our responsibilities. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, as if to say, my life just is not a big deal. No. Uh, he's not saying that we shouldn't really be good stewards of our life and make the most of it. We should be concerned about our lives and the way we spend it because one day we're going to have to give account for the way that we've spent our time and what we've done with our life. Jesus didn't mean either that our life, we shouldn't really have responsibilities for it and therefore not be responsible, you know, feeling concerned for other people's lives. People's lives matter. So if you see people who are hungry, if you see people who are poor, people who are being treated unfairly, people who are dying of AIDS or other diseases, we should feel a responsibility in our life to help those as well. So he's not saying that. Another thing that Jesus is not saying, the last thing I think I just want to highlight is that he's not saying that We won't have anything to worry about. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. He's not saying there's nothing to worry about. No. Jesus says at the end of this passage, you know, there's enough trouble for today. You know, he knew in his life hardships. Jesus never promised a, a, a problemless life. He never promised that there wouldn't be things that we could worry about. And we never get rid of the causes of worry, of the things that cause us to worry. As soon as we get rid of one problem, uh, I don't know if this is the same with you guys, but as soon as one problem goes, another one seems to pop up and replace it. And if uh, anyone had a cause for worry, it was Jesus, wasn't it? I mean, he had day-to-day pressures of, of living. He had no regular income. He uh, knew what it was for a close friend to die. He experienced 
the pressure of being misunderstood by so many people. He was threatened with death constantly. He was unfairly treated. He knew the pressure of powerful temptations. He knew uh, you know, what it was like to suffer and live his life under the shadow of a cross that he was facing death. He knew what it was like to die on a cross for our sins. We all depended on him. And he's completely qualified to say, do not worry, because he could have been one that was really open to worrying. So these are things that he's not saying. And this lunig um, illustration, let me just read it. Here we go. I'm sick of the internet. I want a yabby net. (laughs) Well, you can't have one. It would corrupt you. You would end up staring into some strange dark pond all day, some pond full of reeds and mud and mysterious life forms. Then you would stare at the reflection on the water and see the sky, the clouds and the birds all quite differently. You would throw a stone into the pond, causing the reflection to ripple and distort and gazing at it, you would fall into a trance of wonderment and delight and never fit into normal life again. <laughs> Sorry, no yabbiness. And I think sometimes we worry that if we really want to live simply, if we really want to get our life's priorities right, we're just never going to fit back into worryfulness society again. You know, and sometimes this is so true. Uh, we, we worry. And Jesus shows that the way to avoid worry is to get our priorities right and to seek first his kingdom, to make uh, worrying about what you eat, what you wear, come far lower down in the scale of your priorities than making your first concern the kingdom of God, to seek his purposes, to seek his kingdom first of all. So what does Jesus mean here when he says, do not worry? Um, The word worry is used a number of times in different senses. Paul used it when he uh, spoke about it in Philippians 4 verse 6. Remember when he said, do not be anxious about anything? There it's anxious is the word used. It's the same word. And this word anxious or worry can have a positive meaning or a negative meaning, both uh, meanings. So the, the negative meaning is a harmful, crippling worry, a worry, the worry that chokes. And, and the positive one has a beneficial concern, you know, that you're really concerned for something. Neg- negative worry, a, a troubled fretting is, is mentioned six times in, in this passage. And he's told his followers not to worry about the everyday cares of food, of life, of clothing and of shelter, even not to worry about the future. Don't be anxious about that. It's the same word that Peter used in 1 Peter 5, 7, where he says, cast all your cares, cast all your worries, uh, cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. This is what the passage focuses on today. Feeling of uneasiness, apprehension, 
uh, feeling of dread, usually about something that is to happen in the future. Uh, I wonder if you ever experienced this kind of worry. Uh, Roland Croucher says, everyone worries. Those who say they don't are in a state of denial. So if you say you don't worry, worry about it. (laughs) Uh, Worriers live in the future and they spend a disproportionate amount of time worrying and speculating about what might occur and then fearing the worst. There are different kind of degrees and of uh, negative anxiety. Some of these you'll be aware of, you would have seen in people. Obsessive compulsive disorders. That involves where uh, uh, obsessional worries. This may lead to like compulsive rituals where people wash their hands hundreds of times a day. People who have suffered from severe trauma may have panic attacks um, in certain situations. Some of these involve things like agoraphobia, where you avoid crowded places. Maybe there wouldn't be many of those here today um, because it's pretty crowded this morning. Other, other times, other, other kinds of worry would be where you over-worry about what other people think about you. You might suffer from social phobias or avoidance of situations like speaking in public. Um, Some other people have phobias like fears of snakes and heights and enclosed spaces. Those people have to walk upstairs a lot. They avoid the lift at all costs. Um, But there are so many kinds of of fears. And this morning we're looking at generalised anxieties. Not those uh, other extremes ones, but the present worries about health, uh, job, finances, etc. And these kind of worries can become chronic. More than a million Australians suffer from kind of chronic anxiety. So this is good that we're talking about this morning. And Jesus really addressed specifically three kinds of items to worry, of worry. Things that we eat and drink and clothes that we wear. And he refers to these things in verse 25 And again in verse 31 later on. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. And he says, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? We all eat, we all drink and we all wear clothes. It affects us all these things. And these are the things which uh, we need to keep going about our daily lives. Don't you agree? We all need to eat, we all need to drink, and we all need to wear clothes. And rather than um, being... The truth is, though, these things that we all need can become actually... All the things, these things that we need to live can actually become the reason for living. You know what I mean? Kind of like rather than being fed so that we can live, we live to be fed. Yeah? And rather than clothing ourselves so that we can do all that God has called us to do when we're alive, we can easily live to be clothed well and to look good by other people so that other people would think we look good. So in this passage... Jesus, he pointed to the sky 
And he, and he said, uh, he, he shows us from this passage that God feeds the birds, therefore he's going to care for you and me. This is the first thing he said. This is why we shouldn't worry. He cares for the birds and therefore he's going to care for you and me, so we shouldn't worry. So he points towards the sky and he advised us to look at the birds to help us to stop worrying about how we will be fed. Look at the birds of the air, he says, those little insignificant sparrows. They do not sow or reap or they store in, uh, or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Now, birds don't do banking. You notice that? In fact, they spend a lot of time uh, finding food, looking for food. Uh, the point, of course, is not that birds and animals uh, you know, don't have to work. They actually work hard to find their food. But uh, the, the point is that they don't worry. They don't spend time worrying about it. They get about doing it. And they, they go around, and the, the message here is that as birds don't worry about their food, they just go around getting it, and God provides for them by providing the systems and the places and worms and little insects and everything like that, so too he's going to care for you. He says, are you not more valuable than birds? Aren't you even more valuable than they? And Jesus is clearly saying, I will feed you because you're precious to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I will provide to you. I'm I'm your father in heaven. I'm going to provide food. Look at the birds. Keep an eye on them. And I'm going to be looking after you. Today, many of you here this morning may not always have enough food to eat. Some of you are on pensions. Some of you are on unemployment benefits. Uh, And Jesus says, don't be anxious. Don't worry. I know you and I will care for you. You might be worried about the distance between this week's paycheck and next week's paycheck and whether you're going to make it through. And God's words to you is saying, be wise with what you have and trust in God and he will be with you. He'll care for you. Others are worried this morning about your eating. You think you're eating too much. Uh, or you're concerned about whether you're eating the healthy things. And these are good concerns. And Jesus would say that what you're doing is right and that we should be trying to eat healthy and not spend too many hours worrying all about it. Then Jesus uh, points to an obvious but forgotten fact when he says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? It's pointless to spend hours worrying about things that will or may never happen. You may spend hours um, worrying about having enough food and then miss opportunities to gain employment or to pick up fruit that that God has been providing. People say, worry is like a rocking chair. You know, uh, there's a lot of movement, but you never get anywhere. You feel like you're doing something, but you don't achieve anything, really. And, and worry can't add an extra hour to your life at all. The second thing God says, God feeds the birds, he'll care for me. God clothes the flowers, he'll clothe me. Then Jesus talks about 
you know, our, our worries. He says, and, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin, yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Flowers look beautiful, don't they? I think they're great. But the truth is they last for such a short time. Ones that are growing in the garden are just seasonal. Um, Mandy and I just recently bought some flowers, put them in the, in the vase, and Mandy was just saying to me, isn't this amazing? They've lasted three weeks, you know, cut flowers. And, and when they are sitting there in the vase and they last for a time, we're wrapped. But really, they, they're here today and they quickly fade and go. They soon die, they're shriveled up, they get all smelly and we have to throw them out. But while they're here, they're beautiful. And Jesus says, if God gives such short-lived beauty to flowers, will he not ensure that you are fully clothed, that you're clothed? So we so often spend staggering amounts of money each season in order to make ourselves resemble Solomon (laughs) instead of saying that God can clothes the flowers and yet they look so beautiful as Solomon, we kind of think we've got to look as beautiful as Solomon all the time in all his splendour. Advertisers tell us that we need that, don't they? The right jeans, the right clothes, they try and capture our attention and make you feel terrible. Just yesterday, Mandy and I were at direct factory outlets in Melbourne and we're on this big circuit and we're going along and you look around and you think, wow, oh, I need all these things, you know. And you start feeling like you very haven't got enough, you know, and then you start looking at all these other people that have got big bags and you think, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what they do for a living. You know, and then you start to, you know, and you think you can get worried. I'm, I'm getting missed out. And the advertisers want us to believe that. And, you know, it's young people in school sometimes get... Uh, you know, looked at according to how they dress or what they, where they fit according to those things. And, and it's no wonder anxieties increase. And here's an opportunity, God's saying, to either worry about what you wear, listen to the world, or believe that I, your, our, my, your heavenly Father, will clothe you and will care for you. Jesus says, if that's how God, he, he clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he, uh, will he clothe you? How much more will he clothe you? God is going to clothe you. You don't need to spend obsessive amounts of time getting it fantastically. He'll look after you. So trust him. Then Jesus, in these last little moments, says that there's a few things that we can do few things we can respond to, to the worries around us right now. And one is to worry because of lack of faith. Because we don't actually understand that God loves us and that he will clothe us. We don't believe it. You know, we we read these words and we say, God's going to clothe us. God's going to provide for us like he does for the food. But we choose not to believe it through lack of faith. That's one thing we can do. 
And every time we worry about those things and we say this, what we're actually saying is, I don't believe, God, that you are going to provide it. We don't understand that he loves us and he wants to clothe us. Remember last week we talked about that God is our father and he wants to take care of us. And, you know, just... I remember as a kid not having to worry about whether we'd have enough food on the table or whether there'd be enough clothes. They just all appeared, you know, without me even worrying about it. And I think for me as, as, as a father, I want my kids not to have to worry about it. How much more God as our heavenly father wants to provide it. And when we worry about it and we, we get all upset about it, we're actually showing, God, we don't believe that you are going to look after our best interests. Then the other Option is, he says, oh, you have little faith, not worrying about it. The other option that we do is that we can, we can start to say what the pagans do and they go running after all these things. So we can worry, not believing God's going to do it, or we can start to get really proactive in trying to get the things that we think that we need. So what we start to do is we work harder because we don't believe God is going to provide for it. So we start to get an extra job because he doesn't know really what we need. We know what we need. So we need more money. We need a bigger home. We need more things. We need more clothes. We need another wardrobe, a second, you know, uh, whatever. And we start to say, God, we know you will care for us, but we want to care for ourselves as well, if you don't mind. And often what happens is we work tirelessly, we burn ourselves out, we burn our families out because they take our work and our achievement of things becomes the highest priority. We leave little time for God and it just makes us worry and stress more and more. Meeting our own needs becomes the number one desires. The other option though, is to believe that your heavenly Father knows that you need them and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He will actually feed you. He will clothe you. He will look after you. He will continue to feed you. He'll continue to give you enough to drink and to eat and enough clothes to wear. So don't worry about those things, but make priority seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. Make that the focus of your life, not the things that you can achieve, the things that you can accumulate, the things that you need. Trust with him and seek first his kingdom. Now, we're just going to unpack for a minute what that is, but one question keeps popping up for us, I think, uh, as a... Staff together, we talked about this in this week too. And we're saying, well, look, it says here that he'll clothe you and he'll feed you and he'll look after you. But what about what's happening in uh, Africa now, you know, Nairobi? And uh, we've seen photos just recently of the, of the team that have come back and have showed little cardboard boxes where people live. And we think of places like Malawi where people are dying of starvation. And we think, well, does that mean that those people aren't Christians and it's only Christians that, you know, because God's saying this to his followers? I just don't think at all uh, that I think that's completely wrong. 
But how then can this be, how can we look at this and say God provide, will provide for all that we need and yet there are people and children dying in our world? You know, I think that God today has provided through this earth and this universe more than enough to feed everyone. I think uh, the problem is that through our own sin and our own choices, our governments exploit, uh, wars take place, um, we, we do things that mess with the environment. And as a result, although God has provided for every need to be met, they aren't through our own doing. And I think that seeking first the kingdom of God then means saying, God, I'm yours. My life is yours. I surrender to you. Remember last week we talked about you've got to make a choice between money or, or God, about storing up things treasured on earth or eternal things eternally. And I think what Jesus is calling us to do is to make him the priority of our life, surrender to him fully, surrender to him totally, give him your life, ask him to be your God, your saviour, and then do his will fully. You know, it says, seek first the kingdom. What does that mean? I think it means ask God to be your saviour, your Lord, your king. Ask him to take control of your life, not just your own, own life, but the way you parent, your work, your finances, your future, your worries, your clothes, your food. Ask him to take control of every part of your life. And then I think he's got things for us to do. He wants to change the world through you and me. And I think we're starting to see it as our church continues to reach out to places like Malawi. I think the people that went over there have been challenged and I think God wants to impact us so that we can see those that he wants to clothe and care and that he's planned, his purpose is they would be cared for and clothed, that through us, we being his hands and his feet, we might make a difference. Some of you feel that God has called you to to help the poor in our city by giving food each week. Some of you have felt uh, that God has called you by going to Bible college and being preparing for a future in the ministry. Some feel that God has called you by being a great boss where you can help provide through your business and bring glory to God through the way that you honour your staff and live your lives. God has a plan for each and every one of us. But as we surrender to him our lives, we say the things like food and clothing and all those things that I'm tempted to worry about in my life, I'm trusting you with them and I'm making you the number one priority of my life. And if you end up in a slum in Nairobi with no clothes or food or your life hanging in the balance, but you're seeking first his kingdom, then God has you right where he wants you. I think the challenge today is for you to let go of your own plans, your own desires, and say, God, I'm going to trust you with whatever you're calling me to do. One of the saddest things I think I've experienced, I've seen, is people living life as though this is all there is. 
you know, uh, taking great joy in a new plasma TV screen as though that's what life is all about. They're, look, they're great plasma TV screens, aren't they? And I don't think God's against those. But if the things that you have become your number one in life, you've missed the point. We're only here for such a short, short time. Eternity lasts forever. And God's saying, don't spend all your time worrying about those things. Seek first me, my kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. This life and for all eternity. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Today is the day to not worry and to face head on your priorities for today. Who are you trusting? Is it in God? Is it in the God who made you and has a plan for you and has eternity waiting for those who have given their heart to him? I pray that it is. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this call that you've called us not to worry. God, in this world, in this life, please help us to remember that our own life here on earth, our time on here, here on earth is just a vapour for all eternity. Help us to fix our eyes on you daily. God, to open your word, to ask your Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us, to surrender everything that we have daily to you. Oh, God, and we just say yes to your purposes. God, if, there are, if you're wanting us to, to just give our whole lives in the slums, we say yes. If you want us to give our whole lives in different parts of this world, we say yes. God, if you're wanting us to spend our time changing in a different career, oh God, if you're wanting us to spend more time with our kids than we currently are, oh God, we just want to say yes. Your priorities we want, God. We want to put your kingdom first. So give us the strength this day to go, And every time we're tempted to worry, to remind ourselves of who we are and who you've made us and where our lives are headed in your care. Amen.